O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, July 23rd. I want to draw your attention to a pick on the navigation menu on the Daily Audio Torah website. It is found under our Projects and Partners. Select Torah House Global Prayer Network. This is a call to believers throughout the nations everywhere to take a place on the wall of prayer and to raise up a standard against the rising tide of evil and lawlessness that we see in our nations and in our culture. Let me share with you from their vision statement. The Torah House is an imaginary space where we meet every Arab Shabbat, Friday night at 9 p.m. We all pray from our own location and in our own time zone. Together, we will enter into the virtual Torah house every Arab Shabbat at 9 p.m. your local time. His set-apart people will meet with Yeshua in His Torah house. Community prayer is of tremendous value because as we pray of one heart, mind, and purpose, great power is released in the heavens. We begin our prayer time with a great shofar blast and enter Yahovah's courts with praise. We come against the relentless tide of evil that is swallowing up the nations. We ask our Father to establish His Torah in our city, our region, and our nation. Each month there is a featured prayer theme for the month so that together we can focus our prayers on the prayer theme for that month. Go to thetorahouse.com to see the prayer theme for this month. To learn more, or to sign up to become a member, partner, or coordinator, go to thetorahouse.com and find out more. Join with others throughout the nations every Friday night at 9 p.m. your local time, as together we raise up a symphony of prayer to Abba Father in seeking His face and crying out to Him for the remnant to return to the God of Israel and to His great and glorious Torah. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the New Living Translation for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayet Kanan, and it means, And I Pleaded. Deuteronomy 6, 1-25 And this is the instruction the laws and the rules that Hashem your God has commanded me to impart to you to be observed in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you, your children, and your children's children may revere Hashem your God and follow, as long as you live, all His laws and commandments that I enjoin upon you, to the end that you may long endure. Obey, O Israel, willingly and faithfully, that it may go well with you, 
and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. As Hashem, the God of your fathers, spoke to you, Hear, O Israel, Hashem is our God, Hashem alone. You shall love Hashem your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Take to heart these instructions with which I charge you this day. Impress them upon your children. Recite them when you stay at home, and when you are away, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When Hashem your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to assign to you great and flourishing cities that you did not build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, and you eat your fill, take heed that you do not forget Hashem who freed you from the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. Revere only Hashem your God and worship Him alone, and swear only by His name. Do not follow other gods, any gods of the peoples about you. For Hashem your God in your midst is an impassioned God, lest He anger, the anger of Hashem your God blaze forth against you, and He wipe you off the face of the earth. Do not try Hashem your God as you did at Masa. Be sure to keep the commandments, decrees, and laws that Hashem your God has enjoined upon you. Do what is right and good in the sight of Hashem, that it may go well with you, and that you may be able to possess the good land that Hashem your God promised on oath to your fathers, and that all your enemies may be driven out before you, as Hashem has spoken. When in time to come your children ask you, What mean the decrees, laws, and rules that Hashem our God has enjoined upon you? You shall say to your children, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and Hashem freed us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Hashem wrought before our eyes marvelous and destructive signs and portents in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his household, and us he freed from there that he might take us and give us the land that he had promised on oath to our fathers. Then Hashem commanded us to observe all these laws, to revere Hashem our God for our lasting good and for our survival, as is now the case. It will be therefore to our merit before Hashem our God to observe faithfully this whole instruction as he has commanded us. Second Chronicles eight eleven to ten nineteen. Solomon brought up Pharaoh's daughter from the city of David to the place that he had built for her, for he said, No wife of mine shall dwell in a palace of King David of Israel, for the area is sacred, since the ark of Hashem has entered it. At that time Solomon offered burnt offerings on the altar that he had built in front of the porch. What was due for each day he sacrificed according to the commandment of Moses for the Shabbat, the new moons, and the three yearly festivals, the festival of Pesach, or Passover, 
the festival of Shavuot, and the festival of Sukkot. Following the prescription of his father David, he set up the divisions of the Kohanim for their duties, and the Leviim for their watches, to praise and to serve alongside the Kohanim according to each day's requirement, and the gatekeepers in their watches, gate by gate, for such was the commandment of David, the man of God. They did not depart from the commandment of the king relating to the Kohanim and the Leviim in all these matters, and also relating to the treasuries. And all of Solomon's work was well executed from the day the house of Hashem was founded until the house of Hashem was completed to perfection. At that time Solomon went to Ezion-Geber and to Eloth on the seacoast of the land of Edom. Huram sent him under the charge of servants, a fleet with a crew of expert seamen. They went with Solomon's men to Ophir and obtained gold there in the amount of 450 kikarim, which they brought to King Solomon. The Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame and came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, accompanied by a very large retinue, including camels bearing spices, a great quantity of gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she spoke to him of all that she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. There was nothing that Solomon did not know, nothing to which he could not give her an answer. When the Queen of Sheba saw how wise Solomon was and the palace that he had built, the fare of his table, the seating of his courtiers, the service and attire of his attendants, his butlers and their attire, and the procession with which he went up to the house of Hashem, it took her breath away. She said to the king, What I heard in my own land about you and your wisdom was true. I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes that not even the half of your great wisdom had been described to me. You surpassed the report that I heard. How fortunate! are your men, and how fortunate are these courtiers of yours who are always in attendance on you and can hear your wisdom. Blessed is Hashem your God who favored you and set you on his throne as a king before Hashem. It is because of your God's love for Israel and in order to establish them forever that he made you king over them to execute righteous judgment. She presented the king with 120 kikirim of gold and a vast quantity of spices and precious stones. There were no such spices as those which the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Also, the servants of Huram and Solomon who brought gold from Ophir brought algum wood and precious stones. The king made of the algum wood ramps for the house of Hashem and for the royal palace, and lyres and harps for the musicians, whose like had never before been seen in the land of Yehuda. King Solomon, in turn, gave the queen of Sheba everything she expressed a desire for, exceeding a return for what she had brought to the king. Then she and her courtiers left and returned to her own land. The gold that Solomon received every year weighed 666 gold kikirim, besides what traders and merchants brought, and the gold and silver that all the kings of Arabia 
and governors of the regions brought to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 shields of beaten gold, 600 shekels of beaten gold for each shield, and 300 bucklers of beaten gold, 300 shekels of gold for each buckler. The king placed them in the Lebanon forest house. The king also made a large throne of ivory overlaid with pure gold. Six steps led up to the throne, and the throne had a golden footstool attached to it, and arms on either side of the seat. Two lions stood beside the arms, and twelve lions stood on the six steps, six on either side. None such was ever made for any other kingdom. All of King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the utensils of the Lebanon forest house were of pure gold. Silver counted for nothing in Solomon's days. The king's fleet traveled to Tarshish with Huram's servants. Once every three years the Tarshish fleet came in bearing gold and silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in wealth and wisdom. All the kings of the earth came to pay homage to Solomon and to listen to the wisdom with which Hashem had endowed him. Each brought his tribute, silver and gold objects, robes, weapons and spices, horses and mules, in the amount due each year. Solomon had four thousand stalls for horses and chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, which he stationed in the chariot towns and with the king in Jerusalem. He ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars as plentiful as sycamores in the Shephelah. Horses were brought for Solomon from Egypt and all the lands. The other events of Solomon's reign, early and late, are recorded in the chronicle of the Navi Natan, and in the prophecies of Achaia the Shilonite, and in the visions of Jido the seer, concerning Jeroboam son of Nebat. Solomon reigned forty years over all Israel in Jerusalem. Solomon slept with his fathers, and was buried in the city of his father David. His son Rehoboam succeeded him as king. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to acclaim him as king. Jeroboam, son of Nebat, learned of it while he was in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, and Jeroboam returned from Egypt. They sent for him, and Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam as follows. Your father made our yoke heavy. Now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke that your father laid on us, and we will serve you. He answered them, Come back to me in three days. So the people went away. King Rehoboam took counsel with the elders who had served during the lifetime of his father Solomon. He said, What answer do you counsel to give these people? They answered him, If you will be good to these people and appease them and speak to them with kind words, they will be your servants always. But he ignored the counsel that the elders gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. What he asked, do you counsel that we reply to these people who said to me, 
lighten the yoke that your father laid on us. And the young men who had grown up with him answered, Speak thus to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, now you make it lighter for us. Say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. My father imposed a heavy yoke on you, and I will add to your yoke. My father flogged you with whips, but I will do so with scorpions. Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, since the king had told them, Come back on the third day. The king answered them harshly. Thus King Rehoboam ignored the elders' counsel. He spoke to them in accordance with the counsel of the young men, and said, I will make your yoke heavy, and I will add to it. My father flogged you with whips, but I will do so with scorpions. The king did not listen to the people, for Hashem had brought it about in order that Hashem might fulfill the promise that he had made through Achiah the Shilonite to Jeroboam son of Nebat. When all Israel saw that the king had not listened to them, the people answered the king, We have no portion in David, no share in Yishai's son. To your tents, O Israel, now look to your own house, O David. So all Israel returned to their homes. But Rehoboam continued to reign over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Yehudah. King Rehoboam sent out Hadoram, who was in charge of the forced labor. But the Israelites pelted him to death with stones. Thereupon King Rehoboam hurriedly mounted his chariot and fled to Jerusalem. Israel has been in revolt against the house of David to this day. Romans 8, 9 to 25. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Yeshua lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Yeshua from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Yeshua from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing 
compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Psalm 18, 16-36 He, the Lord, reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an enemy. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? God arms me with strength, and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. Proverbs 19:26. Children who mistreat their father or chase away their mother are an embarrassment 
and a public disgrace. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then we're going to jump into Romans chapter 8. And in Roman, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 22 and then verse 23, it is written, Hashem wrought before our eyes marvelous and destructive signs and portents in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his household. Verse 23. And us he freed from there, that he might take us and give us the land that he had promised on oath to our fathers. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, summed up this verse in a speech he gave to the Peel Commission in 1936. Three hundred years ago there came to the New World a boat, and its name was the Mayflower. The Mayflower's landing on Plymouth Rock was one of the great historical events in the history of England and in the history of America. But I would ask, like to ask any Englishman sitting here on the commission, what date did the Mayflower leave port? How many people were on the boat? Who were their leaders? What kind of food did they eat on the boat? More than 3,300 years ago, long before the Mayflower, our people left Egypt, and every Jew in the world, wherever he is, knows what day they left, and he knows what food they ate, and we still eat that food with every anniversary, and we know who our leader was, and we sit down and tell the story to our children and grandchildren in order to guarantee that it will never be forgotten, and we say our two slogans, now we may be enslaved, but next year we'll be a free people. Now we are in the prison of the Soviet Union. Now we're in Germany where Hitler is destroying us. Now we're scattered throughout the world, but next year we'll be in Jerusalem. There'll come a day that we'll come home to Zion, to the land of Israel. That is the nature of the Jewish people. Powerful words spoken. God is a promise keeper. He makes promises and he keeps them. He fulfills them. He he f- completes them. Now let's jump into Romans in chapter 8. And in verse 16, we'll start there. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Yeshua, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. That's a very deep thought. Now, just yesterday we read in 2 Chronicles about how the glory of God came down and filled the temple that Solomon had built and then dedicated in his prayer of dedication. And a a huge column of fire came down and consumed everything that was on the altar. And then his Shekinah, his glory, filled the house. And that glory was a cloud, a cloud of glory. So here we're reading about sharing the glory of Christ 
but that we also must share in his suffering, that the two things are connected and they are related, that if we want his glory, we're going to go through suffering. Why is that? How is it that glory and suffering are connected? Well, I have a thought about that. And when we go through suffering, it's a little bit like going through fire. Not literal fire, but spiritual fire. And what does fire do? It burns off the dross. It burns out the impurities. It brings the impurities up to the surface so that God can remove them. What fire does is it refines us and it purifies us. And so when we become purified, then we become more and more a vessel of honor that the glory can be contained within that vessel. If I have selfishness, greed, unforgiveness, anger, jealousy, idolatry, pride, those things are going to keep the glory away. But as God allows me to go through suffering, the suffering brings those things forth to the surface where we can see them and be aware of them. They're not hidden. And we can repent and ask God to remove it. And more and more, that vessel, that container, can house the Holy Spirit, can house the glory, the purity, the holiness, the very presence of God. And so glory and suffering do go together. And when we think about Yeshua, who was our example, certainly he suffered. He was rejected by his own people. He was, he died a terrible death, a very painful death. He was whipped and scourged. And then he was nailed to a cross. And while he was hanging on the cross, he was being pelted with stones. His face was bruised and marred beyond recognition. There was a painful crown of thorns that were impaled upon his head. He suffered much. And most of all, while he went through this horrible, excruciating process of death, God's spirit departed from him. He had always been one, Echad, with his father. And in those, ta- in those hours upon the cross, God, the Father, had to look away from him because Yeshua became sin. He took upon the sin of you and me. And God could not look upon that. And so Yeshua's heartfelt cry was, Father, why have you forsaken me? When someone you love who is dear and close, a parent, a spouse, forsakes you and turns their back upon you, it is probably one of the most painful things that you could ever endure. When you feel abandoned, rejected, and all alone and on your own, And yet, Yeshua took that pain upon himself so that you and I could be set free from our sin and walk in newness of life in the Holy Spirit. 
You are never alone, my friend. Never alone. Yeshua is always with you, even to the end of the age. He is with you wherever you go. So may we endure suffering as good soldiers and endure and persevere. And may the suffering accomplish the work that God wants to accomplish within us so that his glory will shine forth in us and through us, so that he will be lifted up. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.